and welcome back to Radio Brews News. For once, I'm not joined by my good friend and executive producer, Peter Mitchum. I'm recording this in trial alone because Pete and I had recorded a fantastic uh, little interview with uh, Jade Flavel from the Wheat Chief Hotel and Steve Jeffers from the local tap house to talk about how you go about creating a iconic Australian craft beer venue. Unfortunately, the gremlins got into that halfway through the interview and a terrible hissing sound, buzzing sound came comes through on the track that just made it unlistenable. So rather than subject you to that, uh, we're going to go back and hopefully with uh, their good humour, we can record a uh, second version of that um, that we can get out to you very soon. But rather than let you go without a podcast of some description this week, uh, I wanted to, I had an old interview with Greg Cook that, that many of the readers of Australian Brews News and many of the listeners of Radio Brews News may not have heard. It goes back to, uh, 2010 and, uh, it became a little bit topical this week when our Hop Products Australia, uh, beer writing bursary winner, uh, Sam Fletcher, uh, posted an article about a Sydney bottle shop. And part of that, he mentioned uh, that they do a little bit of importing um, of beers themselves. And one of the beers that they uh, sometimes advertise on their site is Stone Brewing, um, which made it quite topical. So rather than not have a show this week, I thought I would quickly uh, put this one out um, for those who haven't heard it before. It's a very interesting interview from a very, very passionate craft brewer, and it raises a lot of issues. And when we... Uh, ran it uh, back in 2010. It created a huge uh, discussion, um, lots of passions uh, inflamed on both sides, and I think it was even the biggest uh, discussion on Beer Advocate um, for that year. So anyway, without any further ado, here's a our interview uh, that we did in 2010 with Greg Cook from Stone Brewing. There's been a lot of debate in Australia, in the Australian beer community this week, after Australian Brews News ran a call for consumers to boycott beers that the brewer had specifically requested not be sold in Australia. This came about after we ran an article uh, relating to Sierra Nevada's 30th anniversary that included uh, a call to toast the brewery um, with a bottle of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. When we spoke to the brewery to check some of the issue, the articles um, with them, they, they told us that as a company they were against the practice of grey market beer and they've asked their distributed partners to stop shipping unauthorised beer. Once we dug a little bit more into the issue, um, we asked ourselves, if the brewer doesn't want us to be drinking his beer, why should we be? Um, and as a magazine, we uh, we made the call um, for beer lovers to boycott grey imports. This has really fired passions over the last week, and so we've invited one of the key brewers in the issue to talk about it from his point of view. The brewer is Greg Cook from Stone Brewing, the brewer of one of the beers that are really highly sought after down under, but also one of the brewers who is very definitely against having his beers sold down under. Greg Cook, welcome to Australian Brews News. Thank you, sir. Nice to be talking with you. Yeah, look, thank you very much for your time. I guess just to get started, tell me a little bit about Stone Brewing. Tell me a little bit about the beers that you make. Well, uh, at Stone, we're known for being one of the progenitors of the uh, West Coast style of beer, and what that means is... Uh, predominantly hoppy, big, citrusy, just a very aggressive, fresh, aromatic, hoppy character and uh, a distinct and definite bitterness uh, with our beers. Um, at the time that we started brewing them in 1996, uh, these were styles of beers and approaches to beer that was pretty uncommon. It's now become quite a popular approach to beer and, uh, well, you know, we're unabashed of hopheads and, and we felt it was 
you know, our, our basic uh, philosophy is from the beginning is there are plenty of breweries making beer for the masses. So we want to make beers that uh, we have more personal respect for, that and we, we would just gravitate towards ourselves. And uh, if somebody likes them, great. And if they don't, well, you know, that's not our issue. So um, we just started off in our own direction. The, the, the funny thing about this whole issue, and it's something that I keep coming back to, is your fairly individual approach is one of the things that makes your beers so highly sought after. Um, should you know, and people keep coming back to you know we want your beers. Shouldn't we be able to try them? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all fine and well. So uh, here's what I have to say to uh, all our friends in, in the wonderful country of Australia: You're not getting our beers. You're not getting what would qualify as your beer, our beers. You're getting something that I would pour down the drain. And I, if I was there and I saw you about to take a sip of the beer and I knew how it was tasting, I would take it out of your hand and I'd pour it on the ground because that's not our beer. That is a damaged version of our beer. It's just like a filmmaker wouldn't want somebody watching a videotaped copy of a their movie that somebody illegally um, you know, recorded in a movie theater and then dubbed and copied another four or five times, and it just looks like crap. Of course, the filmmaker is going to be very upset about that. One, that you went outside of the channels of, of viewing it legitimately, so it's clearly an illegal version. And two, that the what you're getting, what you're experiencing, is so absolutely, it's such an absolutely poor representation. Um, that it's they're shocking, and, and the filmmaker themselves would say, this is not worth watching in this format. And I'm saying, our beer, when damaged, and it is damaged out there in Australia, there's no question about it, uh, is not worth drinking. You shouldn't drink it. You should pour it down the drain. A lot of the guys, again, you you, th you throw that up and sort of say, look, you're not, you're not getting the beer. He wants you to get his uh, beer the, the best that he can. They say, look, we know it's not perfect, but it's still interesting and it shows us what's going on internationally and it's oh, it doesn't tell you what's going on here. sorry i gotta interrupt on that it doesn't tell you what's going on it's a it's a horrible facsimile so you know i needed to interrupt on that specific point yeah you know i i get you and 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 so what i say to australian beer fans retailers and brewers is hey you guys can have that stuff brewed in Australia, you can you can do it there. Support the brewers who are brewing interesting things in Australia. The the young brewers, the new brewers, the small guys. That let them know, give them the feedback. But you know, I've had plenty of my own experiences with this. I I used to, you know, have some British beers from time to time here in the U.S. And you know, I was pretty much meh on British beers. Yeah, they're all right. They're different. But it wasn't something that I could particularly get behind. It was nice as a diversion from time to time. Then I went to the UK, and I had them fresh, and oh, it was epiphanous. And I realized just how bad a condition the beers were that I had been drinking. And of course, you know, any British brewer I've talked to is appalled with that idea. The, the answer um, that they come up with is, well, why don't you send it down? We'll pay the costs that it takes to get the beers down here. Um, send it refrigerated send it quickly and will buy it in good condition. Ah, uh, but they won't. And and I I understand that desire and that call, but unfortunately it's 
it's, dare I say, a, a bit naive. Uh, here's the situation. Australia is very far away. We know that. Uh, Australia um, is across the equator. So what we'd have to do is we'd have to um, temperature control our beer. And by the way, we're our own wholesaler in Southern California, and we have a 100% refrigerated fleet. So that's the standard. And when we send our beer to uh, one state away, three states away, across the country here in the U.S., it's all refrigerated. Uh, we do not uh, warm ship or sometimes called dry shipping. Anyways, uh, it's 100% refrigerated. So we'll have to refrigerate our beer, sending it down to Australia. It's a long ways away, so it's going to be as expensive as hell. It's then going to go into the Australian distribution system, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that uh, refrigeration is in the distribution system is very common. No, no, it's not. So it's not. So already the standards that we've set for ourselves within a close range to our own home uh, can't even be um, you know, be put into effect in, in Australia. And then, frankly, I appreciate the fact that there are some beer fans in Australia that are aware of Stone, but we can pretty much guess that 99.99% of Australians have never heard of Stone and maybe haven't even figured out that they care. Um, I understand that. Uh, so when it does eventually get to the retailer, what's the demand going to be? Well, frankly, the demand's going to be pretty low. Uh, and as well, coupled with the fact well, of how that's... expensive it is, you know, even the people that really want it uh, are going to—it's going to be at best a special occasion beer for them because it's so expensive. And and I guess that's um, you know there's a couple of issues in there. A lot of the retailers that I've spoken to this week and. Uh, none of them really want to uh, put their heads up and uh, talk about it, but the ones yeah. that I've spoken to say, look, there, there are one or two that will just bring it in anyway, um, and we've got to compete against them. Um, but then again, it, it does sound like it's, they're the sort of beers that even the real full-on beer geeks um, are buying one or two bottles of to try it. It's not something that they buy a six-pack of and uh, you know, drink on a regular occasion. Right, which, which means that we have an untenable situation. We don't have a flow that ensures that you can get regular, fresh shipments that are being treated properly along every step of the way, and also that it arrives in a reasonable price. And you know what? Buying a less expensive but ruined beer is not a reasonable price because you've got no value for your money. You're getting something that I've just said, and I'll repeat again. I would pour down the drain instead of drinking. So if, you know, one penny, one dollar, what you know, is is too much to pay for that. So I have to say that in go ahead. Oh, just just in reading a lot of the forums, and this has sparked conversation. You know, beer advocate and some of the Canadian community, um, beer communities, even a lot of the Canadian guys are saying that they've had some fairly bad examples of uh, of your beers as well. And uh, you know, it's a much shorter shipping. Canadian guys. Yeah. Well, go figure. Because we don't ship to Canada. And so what does that mean? It's another situation where they're gray marketing it. And what happens is unethical retailers or wholesalers here in the United States, which most of them are not in this category, but there's a few, will sell beer knowing that it's going to go out of the country. And they'll sell old beer. It's basically it's dumping it. Because they know they can't sell it because they can't get away with it with their own customer base. So they're just shipping it off to another country. And then I hear about it, and then I react out. 
and I'm not happy because why am I not happy? Because we put a lot of time and effort and energy into making what we hope to be is great beer. And the reaction that somebody has at best under those circumstances is, meh, stone, just a bunch of talk, a bunch of hype, not worth it. And you know what? I don't blame you for having that reaction with old damaged beer. And if you have that reaction with fresh beer and you come to our brewery or you come to the United States and you have the, uh, that reaction, well, then <laughs> who cares what you think because I don't know if I really <laughs> trust your taste anyways. But <laughs> you, you, can join, you can join the other billions of people on this planet that have no appreciation for the beer that we make. Trust me, you have safety in numbers if you don't like our beer. <laughs> now, I mean, a lot of the guys that are saying that, you know, they hear you say that, and they say, "Well, you know, are you a businessman or you're an art, you know, artisan? You know, once you sell it into the market, you lose control of your beer." That's why we spend so much time and energy in maintaining control of our beer. We have our own distribution fleet in Southern California. It's refrigerated. We send it out refrigerated. We have contracts with our wholesalers in the United States that require them to refrigerate our beer. So, yes, of course, there's some level of which we can't control everything. But I don't know if you noticed, we're pretty highly rated on Rate Beer and Beer Advocate. And there's a reason. And it's not just because we brew good beer, but because we brew great beer and we ha make sure that it's stewarded properly throughout the, the uh, supply chain, the distribution chain. And we put a lot of energy in that. And, you know, again, if you have our beer and outside of that system, I'm not going to blame you if it doesn't taste good or if you think it doesn't taste good. But again, the, the guys that um, are getting this say, look, I know beer, I know it's not going to be at its best quality, but I still want to try it. That's not trying it. You're not trying it. You're trying something that I would pour down the drain. Um, okay, then judge it from that. So realize, right in your review, I am intentionally purchasing, overpaying for uh, damaged beer, and I'm going to review beer that I know in advance is damaged and unacceptable to the brewer. Go for it. How many people really want to consciously agree to or admit that they're doing that? And, and to me, that's the the heart of the issue. I can't work out how all of these guys say that they love good beer, and yet knowingly, um, you know, I, I, there are a whole lot of beers that brewers don't really care are available down here. Um, but when, when there's a brewer that really doesn't want it for that reason, I just sort of think that that's something that you respect. I, th I think that's a lot of part, because honestly... We have the perspective of, look, we're, there's an old phrase um, by an American from 100 or so years ago, H.L. Mencken, and the quote goes, nobody uh, ever went broke from, from underestimating the taste of the American public. And, yeah, what that means, of course, is that generally the masses have no taste. And uh, if you want to sell to the masses something with no taste and sort of take advantage of them, uh, you can do that and you can be profitable. And when we started Stone, we said, we don't want that customer. We only want people with good taste and certainly brew beer for people that have good taste and realizing that's not most people and that that's okay. Again, you know, your safety in numbers. If you're one of the people that doesn't like our beer, you can join the billions on this planet, the 99 point whatever percent of people um, that don't like our beer. So it's, 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 it's really frustrating to me. You know, it, it doesn't help the beer industry in Australia, which is 
struggling to, you know, the specialty beer industry is, is struggling to get off the ground, I would say. Now, this is saying, as, you know, being said as a non-Australian who hasn't spent time there in, in the recent years, and I'd be thrilled to hear that, to be told that, no, no, it's much farther along than that. In fact, I'll pause because I'm, I'm kind of curious. Where, where do you think it is in the, in the scale and the growth curve of specialty beer in Australia? Where do you think you're at these days? Look, really accelerating. You know, still, I, 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 we, we need more brewers. There, there's a whole lot of issues with excise and government, you know, government um, barriers to the industry. But the the small guys that are starting up are really, really passionate, and they're doing a a, a great job to get their beers out there. They've got trouble getting taps. You know, we've got one of the most uh, con- concentrated beer markets in the world with two major players and. They pretty much they're able to go in and contract taps so they can't get it and that's holding things back. But slowly but surely, they you know, I, I don't talk about it being a revolution. I talk about it as being a series of local incursions at the moment. Okay, fair enough. So, but the bottom line would would be that small specialty brewers in Australia need the support desperately of Australians. And what happens when? Uh, Beer isn't treated properly by retailers. A consumer, whether they're experienced or not so experienced, has it. And they are not turned on to the category. They're turned away from the category. So it damages, and we experienced, it damages the industry. And we experienced this a lot in the uh, middle 90s here in the United States. The bubble burst in 1996, and it went from a growth curve of uh, 25 to 45% a year for the industry to 1996, it went to 7%, and in 1997, the growth curve was 2%. So it was like the brakes just got slammed on. And the reason why is because there were so many small brewers, retailers, wholesalers were just throwing shit against the wall. And the consumer became disengaged. They said, I don't want to spend this much money anymore to take a chance on something that doesn't taste very good. Now, the consumers weren't quite as savvy in the middle 90s here in the US as they are now. So they didn't understand why they were having such poor experiences. Okay, flash forward to today, we've pulled ourselves back out of that as an industry, back out of that poor reputation. And now universally, the craft brewers in the United States are brewing very good beer. beer breweries you've never heard of, if you just take a chance, chances are you're gonna get something that is at worst pretty nice. And often, really, really tasty. And so the, the, as people take chances and, and are rewarded for the chances they, they took by having a great result and saying that was worth the money I spent, then you've got another convert. And then they buy more beer. And then they tell their friends and so on and so on. And having poor experiences has the opposite effect. It turns people off of the category. And that's why I will say, you know, direct to you, everybody in Australia, if you are a retailer who is knowingly selling damaged beer, uh, beer in a way that the brewer would not approve of, you're hurting the industry and you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your customer base. You're not allowing people to become engaged in what is possible in the world. You're allowing them to misbelieve uh, and mistrust the experience that they had, and you know, mistrust the category, and um, you're not my friend. 
You don't support me. You don't support people like me. You don't support people who want this industry to grow and flourish and become what it can be. Instead, you're working against us. And just because I say, look, we're not ready to send our beer to Australia yet. We're in 35 of the 50 United States so far. So, you know, we don't even have our own country covered. We're not ready to send our beer. And we don't have enough of a reputation down there. And we don't have enough of a reputation. It wouldn't work. I can tell you, it would not work. I'd not realize you weren't completely available across the states because that's one of the things that a lot of the guys, they almost resent the fact that you don't respect our market enough to send it down here. But if you don't have it in all of the states, that's a pretty big If somebody issue. is saying that we don't respect the market enough uh, to send beer down there, they, they, they don't know me too well. Uh, I love Australia. I've had the chance to visit there. I think it's a wonderful country, and uh, I would love nothing more than to be able to share our beer. But, again, it's not tenable. Too long to get there, too expensive, and because it's so expensive, very slow movement in the marketplace. Very slow movement in the marketplace, old beer. You end up paying too much for it, you get a poor experience, you don't want to buy it again. That's not going to work. And we've been there. We actually just pulled out of Wisconsin here in the United States because of that very reason. We couldn't get uh, enough of a critical mass going, and, and they didn't have a, uh, enough of a core of specialty beer drinkers. So we had to go. We pulled our beer from the state because it was ending up old, and that's not acceptable. Greg, I think we've pretty much thrashed out all of the issues, but one more I want to say is that uh, if your beer doesn't travel well, I know you do, is there any chance we could get you down here one day to uh, maybe do a collaboration with some of our young, exciting brewers? Um, that sounds like a fantastic idea. I really like that idea. Uh, one, there's another chance to get down to Australia, and, uh, and two... Um, I'd love to revisit the, the craft brewing scene in Australia, and uh, I love doing collaborations, and uh, it, would, it would be a thrill. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard, but we're actually looking on opening a brewery in Europe. Are you familiar with that project? I, uh, yep, seen that project. So, and that's our response to, to, to Europe, and when we targeted Europe first, um, sorry that it wasn't Australia first, um, and and that's why it's because we need to go over there and brew it fresh, so it'll be fresher, more affordable, and time timeline will um, you know will work and carbon footprint. I mean, you know, let's just talk about carbon footprint for a second. Sending beer long distances it just doesn't you know it just doesn't make sense in the grand scheme. I'm okay with sending some specialty beers here and there. I think that's the spice of life. Um, but the idea of sending commodity beers. Um, which happens here a lot from Europe. We have commodity fizzy yellow beer coming from Europe, and we have fizzy yellow beer from here sending other places. And, and to those people that are doing that, I just say, you know, get off my planet because you're screwing it up. <laughs> Greg Cook, it's always great to, to listen to you. It's even better to talk to you. Thank Likewise, you very much for your time. And, uh, well, we'll see, uh, see how people react. Terrific. Thanks for uh, in engaging me in this conversation and bringing it up. I think it's very important. I've been extraordinarily frustrated by the lack of response. I either get no response or uh, saying, no, we're just not going to respect what you're doing. Hopefully this will help uh, people understand a little bit more about the, uh, the decisions that are, that are here. And so thanks, my, uh, Matt. No worries. Greg Cook, thanks very much.